Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a brand new show here on Turn on the Jets Digital. You are very familiar with the man who is the centerpiece of it, Mr. Michael Lania. He's been bringing you Know Your Foe all season, but there's no foes to talk about now because we're in the offseason. So this is his brand new show for the offseason. Going to be a lot of fun. We're calling it The Chronicles of Nania because we're silly like that. He's the man that you know on Twitter that brings you all of the great statistics, all the little nuggets that nobody else has that you're not going to find anywhere else, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just uh, enjoying, well, not really enjoying, but trying to uh, sell Adam Gase to everyone else. Uh, obviously, most people are looking down on it. I was skeptical of it. Uh, he was my least favorite choice for the head coach spot as well, so... Just trying to find the positivity in it, as I usually am doing. So, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Yes, and in that vein, let's get right into your gaze positivity because that was a hashtag that you started. And you began looking up statistics that make the Adam Gase hire look as palatable as possible. So whether you like it or you're on the fence or you don't like it, these are some things that you can hang your hat on if you're a Jets fan. Let's start with the quarterbacks. What do you have as far as Gase's work with the quarterbacks that paints him in a positive light in the mold of Gase positivity? Yeah, so if you if you go back through his entire coaching career before he was the head coach, before he was an offensive coordinator, all the way back to when he was the quarterback's coach for the Lions in 2007, all the way since then, he's consistently, his quarterbacks have been outperforming their career standards. So uh, he's worked with nine starting quarterbacks as either a quarterback's coach or offensive assistant or offensive coordinator and obviously head coach in Miami. He's worked with nine starting quarterbacks since 2007 with Detroit, San Francisco, Denver, uh, and of course Miami and Chicago where he's offense coordinator, and eight of the nine quarterbacks that he worked with had a higher passer rating under Gase than they did over the rest of their careers. And the one exception was Tim Tebow, who uh, had a really small, he only started about uh, three games the season before Gase coached him, so it was a really small sample size. But Tebow still won eight games, uh, including the, uh, one playoff game uh, under Gase the one season he was his quarterback's coach. And obviously we know that, uh, Tebow's career as a quarterback completely fizzled after Adam Gase, uh, after Tebow left Adam Gase this season after 2011. But you look at his entire career, and for the most part, quarterbacks just have been playing a lot better under Adam Gase. And in addition to the passer rating of every quarterback's improved their completion percentage under, under him, every quarterback has gained more yards per completion under him. So that means eight of nine quarterbacks, other than Tebow, of course, who I mentioned, was the exception to have. Raise their overall yards per attempt by at least 0.4 under Gates. And it doesn't sound like much, but it actually is a lot because in 2018, that was the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Andy Dalton. So he's done a really good job helping quarterbacks beat their career expectation, overachieve, and win more games than they shouldn't have, set career highs. And for the most part, he's been working with veteran quarterbacks. He definitely hasn't worked with 
a young talent, the caliber of that he will be with Sam Darnold. Definitely not close to that yet. Mostly veterans, uh, Peyton Manning, of course, uh, then Miami, Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler, Matt Moore. But everyone that he's coached, every quarterback, has been producing more efficiently with him than they did without him. And another interesting trend is that he, he's been able to get these guys to win close games because when he was in Miami, he won a, a ton of close games. He led the league in one score wins while he's the head coach there. So it, it does make you kind of wonder if he was just lucky to win that many close games and that he's going to regress back to the mean uh, in the future and that, you know, he was lucky to actually, uh, even though his he still had a losing record and a disappointing tenure there, that his luck in close games made him look even better. But all the quarterbacks that he's coached have had a winning record in one-score games all the way back to Detroit over a decade ago. And uh, eight of the nine had at least a 600-win percentage in one-score games. So it's it, that's been something he's been doing consistently. So, yeah, for the most part, uh, this is definitely the, the number one silver lining that I'm looking at with Gates because Sam Donald is the most important uh, person in this franchise, and Adam Gates has proven that he's been able to get quarterbacks to overachieve when he's coached them. Specifically, who did he seem to do the best work with so far? The low-hanging fruit answer here would be Peyton Manning, because obviously all the records they set when Gates was the OC there. Um, Manning had set the single-season passing touchdown and passing yards records. The Broncos in 2013 set the record for most points in a season, which is still standing today. So that would be the obvious choice, but... Uh, you look at what he did with Matt Moore in 20, uh, 2016 when they made the playoffs. He played really well down the stretch of the season. And Tannehill, even though he hasn't really progressed on his own and he is pretty terrible this season, in 2016, the first season Gates was there, Tannehill set career highs pretty much across the board with everything except, I believe everything except the interception category. He set career highs in that first season with Gates. And it was also the only season that Tannehill's had a winning record as a starter, and with Miami potentially moving on from him this season, it could end up being the only season in his career in which he posts a winning record in that 2016 season. So I think it's tough to pick one guy that has been the most impressive because, like we said, he hasn't developed anyone yet because he hasn't really uh, had a chance to work with a guy like Sam Darnold, a young quarterback, yet in his career. But for the most part, he's bounced around. He's gotten veterans who have been at the end of their careers, who were struggling before he came in, whether it was, John Kitna back in uh, 2007. Kitna won only five games in the three seasons before Gates was the quarterback's coach. And under Gates, he won seven games for the Lions in that 2007 season. And then the following season after Gates left, the Lions went 0-16. And Kitna won only four games as a starter over the final four years of his career without Gates. So he just really helped a lot of veteran guys, stopgaps, journeymen overachieve. So we'll see if he can translate that to a younger quarterback like Darnold, but if he can keep up this trend of helping quarterbacks overachieve and just guaranteed improvement, helping to win close games, everything, then I, I think there definitely is a lot of potential for uh, Gates and Darnold to do something special. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. People have made note of the fact that Gase's teams in Miami have seemed to win close games. Tell me a little bit about what you found there. Yeah, so like I was saying earlier, so when Gase was the head coach in Miami, he went 20-6 and in one-score games. So that was the best win percentage in one-score games while he's the head coach there. It was the most one-score wins in the league. So it's definitely something that you look at and think, okay, so Gase was 23-25 and as the head coach. He was extremely good in one-score games, the best in the league. So was he just lucky? Should he have had an even worse record? And uh, he was just you know, lucky to be able to come out on top in those one-score games. But like I was saying earlier, you look back over the, his entire career, he's been doing this with all his quarterbacks. Like I mentioned earlier, every quarterback that he's coached has won over half of their one-score games under him. And eight of the nine quarterbacks he's coached have won at least 60% of their one-score games over uh, under Gates for an average of a 68% win percentage in one-score games. So pretty close to what he did post in Miami. So it's definitely something that I was skeptical of uh, because, of course, the Dolphins have won a ton of these games. And you know that just without even looking up the numbers from uh, just being in the AFC East and seeing their scores. So they, they were an elite one-score game team. So I think that you look at the rest of his career, it was promising to see that this is something he's been doing uh, throughout his career, and uh, when he was in Miami, it was the clutch drives, too, that they were able to get going. So uh, in drives in the final 10 minutes of the fourth quarter while trailing by one score, the Dolphins under Gase scored eight touchdowns on 19 drives. That's 42%, and that was uh, the second-best rate in the entire NFL. And in comparison, the Jets had 25 of those drives, and they only scored three touchdowns. That's 12%. That's 28th in the league. So even though he was lucky to come out on top in one-score games, he, he was getting his offenses uh, to perform in clutch situations when they really needed it. And like I said, he has a track record of doing this throughout his career. So I was really skeptical of it at first because it does seem like that, you know, he's lucky, like I said, uh, to not look even worse. But the fact that he's been doing this throughout his career with just about every single quarterback he's coached does give me a little bit of confidence that, his ability to finish games and win close games is potentially a, a skill that he does have and could sustain going forward. So we'll see if he can do that with Sam Darnold because Darnold was only one in five in one score games this season. So that's definitely an area where uh, Gates could help him going forward. I understand it's a small sample size, but he's had relatively good success against the Patriots. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So uh, this, this was an interesting nugget that I found. So the Patriots in December, since uh, since Tom Brady took over in 2001, their win percentage in December is 833. That's the best 
the best win percentage by any team in any month over that span. And Gates has beaten them in December twice, uh, once each over the past two years, obviously. This year with a ridiculous miracle in Miami, uh, with Gronk missing the tackle and that whole play, uh, that win this year, uh, they beat him last year with Jay Cutler. So he's got two wins over the past in December. No other coach has beaten him twice in December. So again, small sample size, but we're, this is Gay's positivity. So we're looking for the best way to fix this as possible. So yeah, he's done pretty well against the Patriots. And obviously, uh, it seems like the Pats aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So that's definitely something you still want. So the fact that he has been able to be really competitive with the Patriots is a positive. Michael, one thing that I saw that was kind of interesting is that every time Gase moves on from the staff of one team to another, each of the teams that he left did worse the next season, and each of the teams that he went to did better the following season. That's kind of a fascinating little nugget. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, so like you said, each of the four teams Gase has left, so Detroit in 2007, San Francisco in 2008, uh, Denver in 2014 and Chicago in 2015. Each of those four teams that he left, their scoring, uh, points per game scoring went down the following season after he left. And the most notable dip, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, Detroit was seven and nine the season he was there. And then season after he left was their infamous 0 and 16 season. But Denver after he left, obviously they won the Super Bowl the season after Gates left in 2015. But their offense fell from, uh, they were scoring 30 points per game every season Gates was there. And after he left, they fell 25th in offense DVOA in 2015 and 19th in scoring. So obviously that was uh, mostly because of Peyton Manning just hitting that wall. He was almost 40 years old. His arm fell off the cliff. So you could clearly tell physically Manning wasn't there. So it's, it's, it's hard to say that like the Broncos just couldn't score because Gates wasn't there, but it definitely did play a part, uh, a part in it because the Broncos only scored 30 points in a game one time that entire 2015 season after averaging it in the three seasons Gates was there. So it has been pretty interesting to see that there's been a pretty strong correlation between Gates leaving teams and their offense getting worse after he's left. And for the most part, teams that he's, he's gone to have improved their scoring as well. Uh, four of the five teams that he joined scored more points per game in the first season he was there than they did the season before he got there. So it's, it's always tough to estimate uh, just how much value a coach has on a, either a player's performance or a team's performance because, and Gates is one of the most uh, obvious cases of this because with his uh, uh, coaching Peyton Manning, you don't know. Like, obviously Peyton Manning's one of the best ever, but he did post some of his best numbers under Gates. So you're, and even though Manning does speak highly of him, it's hard to say just how much, uh, how much contribution Gates had to Manning putting up those numbers, the Broncos putting up so many points, and then falling off the cliff right after he left. But it's hard to say, but the fact that throughout his career, it's been a really strong trend of him making teams better offensively when he gets there and teams uh, declining a little bit offensively after he leaves. The fact that that has trended so strongly and happened almost every single time he's gone to or left the team does, does give you a little bit of hope that he really is having a positive offensive impact wherever he goes. How do you see this translating to the Jets? Are there numbers that you saw that would make you believe that this is going to continue to trend in a positive direction? Well, I mean, as we know, watching the Jets this season, their offense was completely terrible. Um, I'm not sure they ended up in scoring, but I'm pretty sure they were bottom five in scoring, and their offense DVOA was bottom three, I'm pretty sure. But obviously their offense was terrible, so there's nowhere to go but up. And the, the talent level on offense should be better. We'll see what they do in free agency if they get Le'Veon Bell. 
uh, they make moves on the offensive line. So the talent level should be up, and Donald's going into year two, so regardless of who the coach is, he naturally should be getting much better next season than he was this season. So there are a lot of factors outside of Gase that I think, even if Todd Bowles was still the coach, the Jets would be better offensively. But the, what Gase has got to do is, because like I said, I, just because of all those factors, Donald getting better, adding more talent, they should be a lot better offensively. But Gase has got to help Donald take a massive leap into the top, uh, a top five quarterback. I don't think he should put a ceiling on how good Donald could be. Because we look at all these other uh, young quarterbacks in the league. Jared Goff was a complete, completely terrible as a rookie. And then second year offensive coach comes in with McVay and boom, he's a top five, top 10 guy. Carson Wentz had a rocky rookie season, similar to Darnold in a lot of ways. And second year, boom, he's a top 10 guy. So year one to year two tends to be the, by far the biggest leap that a quarterback makes in his career. Typically quarterbacks don't get that much better than they are in their second year. They, they get all rookies get that rookie season pass because it's the toughest position to transition to uh, in football. So, Everyone gets that rookie year pass. Most rookies really struggle, like Darnold did for most of the season until he finished really strong. So for Gates, he's got to help Darnold continue what he did over those final few games of the season when he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I think the goal for Gates and the Jets, maybe not to be a top 10 offense or top 5 offense because they, the Jets do still need a lot of pieces, especially on the offensive line and at the skill positions. But for Darnold in particular, I'd really like to see him be at least top 15, but ideally an easy top 10 quarterback. And it, it might seem like asking a lot because Darnold, obviously, uh, his overall numbers this season were bottom five-ish most of the season and ended up that way. But I don't think it's unfair to expect that much of him. The Jets traded everything that they did to get him. Uh, I think it's it's fair to expect him to be an elite guy uh, in year two. And like I said, it, guys don't really get that much better off of year two. So if he improves to like an average sort of level, even though it would be a big improvement off of where he was uh, in his rookie season, it's tough to expect him to get much better than he's going to be next season, even though he is only 21 years old right now and will be 22 next season. uh, That's going to be the big thing with Gates, just improving Darnold. And obviously the head coach, you uh, ideally would want to have somebody who, you know, could control the whole team and not a glorified quarterback coach and, that's one of the big knocks of hiring Gates, but it, it is the most important th- task that whoever the head coach was going to be was going to have developing Darnold. So I, I would like to see Gates make Darnold into top 10 quarterback, and I think he can do it. So uh, we'll see. This is the best chance that he's had to uh, prove his, you know, his reputation as an offensive genius, to prove that true now that he does have a legitimate elite young quarterback prospect to work with and not uh, Ryan Tanhill or Jake Culler. So, We'll see if Gates can do that, but Darnold's progression is going to be the number thing, number one thing I'm going to be looking at in terms of evaluating Gates. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, you're the numbers guy, so let's put some numbers to this. Based on the way that Sam Darnold was going last year toward the end, and based on what Gase has done in other places, what do you think are realistic numbers that we can and should expect for Sam Darnold in year number two? 
Well, this was actually a discussion that uh, I was going over on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I think that um, I was looking across the board. I think we should expect him to hit 30 touchdowns. That would be uh, about top 10. Uh, I think he had 17 touchdowns this year in 13 games, and the Jets obviously didn't help him at all with putting him in third and long situations, terrible run game. Uh, offensive line was not not terrible in pass protection, but not good still. Uh, so he had, like, no help, but I think 30 touchdowns is realistic next season. Uh, that would be a top-10 sort of number. Uh, the interceptions, I feel like that's an area where I think he's going to not be bad with it throughout his career, but I think he's never going to be an Aaron Rodgers type of guy. Uh, two, three interceptions a year. I, I think Darnold will usually be around 10 interceptions, but you would like to see him get it down from his league leading number of, uh, I think he had 16 this season. So uh, ideally, uh, if he does start all 16 games, you know, throw more passes. And to, to get below 15 interceptions would be good. Uh, his, uh, his yards per attempt, I think, is a big one. His completion percentage was really low this season. Uh, and he didn't get a lot of help there. Obviously, the Jets were trailing a lot, so uh, he was... He's among the leaders in terms of the average depth of his throw, so his completion his completion percentage was definitely going to always be low. But his, I think he, I'd like to see that get up a little bit, and uh, a big way he can do that is take more checkdowns when they're there because I think early in the season he was missing a lot of checkdowns. That would have been easy yardage, and, and instead took some harder downfield throws that uh, a lot of times weren't even uh, likely to be completed. So his completion percentage, I'd like to see him get it up to maybe about 60, 62 an average sort of number because, like I said, he was uh, among the leaders in terms of uh, the average amount of yards to the air for completion this season. Uh, I believe he's top five with uh, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, and a, a couple of a uh, couple of other elite quarterbacks in terms of the average amount of yards through the air per completed pass this season. So if he can maintain that and complete, if he just get his uh, rate of completions up this season, that should do a lot of wonders for him, uh, just in terms of taking easier passes so he can be more efficient and more consistent. But like I was saying, overall, I just like to see him be, at the very least, without a doubt, an above-average quarterback. But I don't think there's a ceiling for how high he can go. And like I mentioned earlier, Goff, Wentz, uh, we saw Deshaun Watson put up great numbers in only a few games in his rookie season, and then uh, he maintained that over 16 games uh, when he's helping in his second season. So I don't think you should put a limit on how high he can go in his second season, because this is the year to make that leap. It happens with just about every quarterback. Peyton Manning is a great example. He was uh, pretty bad in his rookie season, especially with turnovers, and then he was pretty good in his second season. It actually turned out to be an above-average season in relation to the rest of his career. So I don't think you should put a cap on how high he can go. Uh, maybe he can be the best in the league. Maybe he can be top five. I don't think I don't think those things are impossible. Obviously, the Jets do have to get him some more help offensively, get him some more, uh, fix the offensive line, get him some more weapons. And those uh, factors are going to be really important in determining how high he does go this season. But at the least, you'd like to see him be above average top 10. So kind of those numbers I was listening for, 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, uh, at least 7.5 yards per attempt, which would be an above average number, and getting that completion percentage up to an average sort of number, 60%, 62%. So I think that those would be some of the benchmarks I'd like to see him hit at least, but I don't think there is a limit to how high he could go because we know how talented he is, and year one to year two is the time to make that leap. So we'll see what he can do with Gates this season. He is not just a stat nerd, Jets-wise. He is the stat nerd. If you're not following him on Twitter, go ahead and do it, at Michael underscore Nania. These are the kind of numbers and interesting little nuggets that you get from him on a daily or, let's be honest about it, hourly basis on Twitter. (laughs) 
Michael, thanks so much. I'm glad that we're doing this in the offseason. Chronicles of Nania. This is episode number one. Looking forward to bringing you many, many more episodes throughout the offseason. We're going to take a deep look at a lot of players, interesting draft prospects. It's going to be a lot of fun and very informative. So, Michael, looking forward to next week. For anybody that doesn't know where they can find your work, let them know where they can and also what you're working on right now. Yeah, so I'm really excited to do the show throughout the offseason. Obviously, numbers are my bread and butter, what I do mostly on Twitter. So it's going to be fun to do this uh, show weekly based around the numbers. And uh, a t- this is a really important offseason for the Jets. There are going to be a lot of free agent targets that they're going to be looking at, especially offensively. Uh, they just hired Greg Williams, so we could look at him pretty soon. And the draft, too, is going to be really interesting because it's always interesting to look at uh, the numbers surrounding draft prospects. They're measurable. Their productions in college are a lot of numbers that go into helping predict draft success. So all those things are going to be a ton of fun, but I'm really excited to do this with you, Scott, each week throughout the offseason. Absolutely. Nothing like little numbers to go with our film because Joe Blewett's going to be doing film with me all offseason. So the numbers and the film together give you a complete picture. Always glad to be the artist painting that picture here at Turn on the Jets Digital. Michael, thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. In the meantime, make sure you're following Michael. Make sure you're reading his work. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.